Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This, this is episode 16. Now before we get started, don't take notes. I've done it. Go on my website for all the show notes, for my food photography, for anything. ElizabethRFuller.com Do you want to be on the podcast? Do you have questions for the podcast? Do you need help answering any food dilemmas, situations, maybe a life dilemma? I have you. I got you. Shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram. I want to see what you do. So tag me in everything at let's go on a food adventure. All right, let's just do this. Let's go on a food adventure. So today, today we're talking about all things photography. Uh, as many of you know, and maybe you don't know, but now you're going to know, I make my living by doing food and product photography. So if you want to hire me, please, I would love to work with you. No, but really, I come from a family of creatives. And what's funny is growing up, I mean, my dad's a painter and a sculptor and has always done it in his spare time. Art growing up in my household was something you did kind of in your spare time. So in my world, I didn't realize that this could be something I could make a career out of it. My parents uh, are very smart. <laughs> they met in DC at NASA. Uh-huh. Let that settle in for a second. My brother, very smart. He has a computer company that does stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it does. I know it does something with applications. I mean, he's so smart that like in high school, him and his buddies started like if you and okay, hold on. Let me, as I love to say, back this party train up. My brother is so smart that we grew up in, I was born in 1980. He was born in 83. Let's put that into context. So in high school, if you had the world poker tour on your cell phone, the snake game and something else. That was because my brother did that. And then him and his friends sold their little company to Qualcomm. Yeah, let that sink in too. And then he moved to San Francisco to head up the transition with his company being bought by Qualcomm and was flying to New Hampshire to take classes at UNH on red eyes and then flying back to San Francisco on like a Monday morning to get into a meeting with God knows who. So, and then he decided to move to Australia. He had enough, (laughs) sold his shares and dyed his hair blue, got a tongue ring and the rest is history. And now he works in Australia. He lives in Brazil with his beautiful girlfriend and travels around the world. Yeah, I know. So, (laughs) and my mom's super creative. She loves using her hands. So she does watercolor art. She's an amazing watercolor artist. And it's something that comes to her very, she works very hard at at a lot of things. Like that's one of her uh, gifts in life is she's very focused and very able to like drill down on the precision of something. 
And so with watercolor, she's an amazing watercolorist. She's an amazing knitter. She loves using her loom and, and creating these beautiful textiles from her loom. She's very, very creative. Her sister, my aunt, uh, she's an amazing photographer. Uh, so I come from this, this, and there's more. I'm just not diving into everybody. But my point is I come from this family of, of very, very creative individuals who always did something else and they're creative joy they kind of use as like their fun downtime thing so that was my model of like you got another job and your creativeness may just be what you do for fun well I decided to break the mold <laughs> somebody needs to right and now my creativeness is what I do for a living and man oh man is it fun uh no, really though, like I always wanted to either be growing up, it was, I always had a camera in my hand when I figured out how to use one and they were always film because digital wasn't a thing when I was a kid. We still had a phone, the one phone in the kitchen with the long cord that would get tangled up and like you'd pull it as far as you could away from the kitchen to make the phone call to your friends. If you grew up in the time when I grew up, you completely can relate to this. So anyway, uh, I wanted to be, I always wanted to, I loved photos, but I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a writer. I've written a handful of books. I've written a few screenplays that haven't seen the light of day. And photography always took classes, took any class I could get my hands on in college so I could get free access to the darkroom. Because again, developing film, digital was not, was not a thing. And if you did, I mean, it then became a thing, but it was so expensive that there was no way I could afford it. So anyway, here we are now. I'm a professional food and product photographer. I absolutely love what I do. And yeah, I'm so grateful that I took the leap a while ago to do this because I, in my past life for the last 15 years, um, did events and I love events. Don't get me wrong. I can plan from the moment you're born until the moment you die, literally and everything in between from personal to professional corporate style events to commencements, graduation, like you name it. I got you. I got you, boo. But this, this to me is beyond my jam. Like I wake up with a smile on my face every day, knowing that I get to do what I do now. And it doesn't ever feel like work. I get tired, I get burnt out, but it's not in the same vein of how it felt before. That's the only way I can describe it. So my point is, if you're not doing what you love, sit and marinate on what you love, and maybe, if at all possible, take the leap because the more joy you bring to your life, the more joy you radiate out into the world and it can only get better. All right, enough about all of this. Let's talk about photography. Let's answer some of your questions. All right, Jade in Los Angeles writes, I love your photography. Thank you. Where do you get all of your photo props? Ooh, everywhere. No, that's a good question. All right, so if we're talking about like the actual props in the photos, Honestly, I get them kind of everywhere. So Todd and I, my husband Todd, and I have um, a pretty extensive collection of food stuff anyway, because as you guys know, he's an executive chef and I've been in the industry for the last 25 years. And so 
with events, when I was doing tons of events, I always had a ton of just things for events that you put food in. And now, and he as a chef has a ton of styling stuff. I mean, we have a handful of those super long fancy tweezers. <laughs> and like, so when I made the leap to do this as my career, I really just kind of first looked around the house because I honestly, I was pretty surprised and blown away how many things that we actually have in the house that I didn't need to go out and buy. But when I do, here's, here's another piece of advice I want to offer to anyone who is diving into this career path or really any career path that you need to go and buy things for. Please, for me at least, this is my, the way I think. So in, for me, the best way I do when I'm conceptualizing a photo shoot is I try to figure out what I'm going to need. So for example, I did this photo where I took a ton of spices from this beautiful local um, woman owned. I love them at Curio Spice in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Please go check out their Instagram. Their spices are incredible. They're a B Corp. Absolutely love them. Can't can't sing enough praises about them. So they um, they I bought a ton of their spices to do the Sri Lankan episode with uh, Sam Four from at Tuk Tuk Lex. Please check her out. She's amazing. She's a queen and a goddess. And um, <laughs> I'm plugging everybody right now. And so when I did that photo that photo spread, I was like, oh, I want to use all these like old, like rusted, busted spoons to put the spices in. So before I even set foot in a store to get these props, I really mapped out and laid out every photo I was going to take and how I was going to style it and what I needed because I get very overwhelmed very easily when I step into a store and then I tend to buy things that I may or may not ever use. So when I was buying those spoons, I ended up going to two or three different like antique stores because I wanted that aged, rusted, busted look. Uh, I think it shoots really well. When you shoot things that are shiny and new, beautiful, but you get a ton of reflection on them. So you have to be very careful. Then you're going to edit out a lot of the reflection. Or if you, you can just, you can see the lighting, you can see, you know, the ceiling, you can see, sometimes you can see me in the camera if you look close enough in some of the reflections, if I'm not careful or I missed it in editing. So I, that's my tip. I end up, so to answer your question, I'm sorry, this is a very long-winded answer, Jade, but I love going to as many local antique stores or Goodwills or Savers or places like that, that um, one, it's a little cheaper, but two, it's almost like you're recycling somebody else's treasures. So you'd be surprised what you can find, but I always have a plan, not always, but a lot of the times I have a plan of what I'm looking for prior to going to the store. So that's my advice. But yeah, check out any local store you have and also tap people you know. You'd be very surprised how much stuff people have, friends, family members. And if you have a list like, oh, do you have X, Y, and Z? I'm looking for a copper pot or I need a colander or I need this. Can I borrow it? Nine times out of 10, they're gonna tell you to keep it. So ask around, use your friends and family. You got this, Jade. All right, our next question comes from Antonia from Instagram. She writes backdrops, do's and don'ts. 
I like your simplicity, Antonia. Okay, so backdrops, great question. All right, so the do's, oh, let's start with the don'ts. Don't rule anything out as a backdrop. <laughs> Everything can be used as a backdrop. Everything. Uh, the do's, okay. So you honestly think outside the box when it comes to backdrops. You can use anything, like go to, go to non-traditional places too, like Home Depot and Lowe's. You'd be so surprised what you can find there and use as a backdrop. Um, I'm a big fan of, Todd and I have been known to be driving somewhere and see wood on the side of the road that with a free sign and grab that. We went to one time, this was like a total Pickers moment. And I, I mean, I love me some Mike and Frank um, on Pickers and we totally had a Pickers moment. So I wanted to get a solid wooden tabletop for this old antique sewing machine bottom that I got at a, um, a rummage sale kind of place around here. And so I went to this local lumber yard and I was looking at this beautiful cherry wood, blah, blah, blah. And the guys were like, you know, you could, you're going to spend a ton of money on this and you might not be able to seam it upright and then you're going to ruin it. I'm just being honest. You guys aren't woodworkers. I'm like, no, thank you. I appreciate your honesty. He's like, I got a buddy, <laughs> which is like the best way to start any story. I got a buddy. And I was like, okay. And he's like, he, do you know where the, it's <laughs> so funny. Do you know where the Walmart is in Bellingham? I'm in Massachusetts. And I was like, uh, I think it's across the street from the Whole Foods. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's the one. I'm like, okay, that's a good landmark for me. Okay, yeah, I do know where the Whole Foods is. All right, go past that. Mm -hmm. So you're going to come to a gas station on the right hand, on the across the street on the right from the gas station. That's where my buddy Mark lives. Mark has, he, 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 he's a picker. He's got tents in his yard. He's probably home. If you see the truck in the driveway, just pull in. Just ask him if he's got anything for you. You'd be surprised. And I was like, okay, okay. Now, fun fact uh, about my husband, Todd, he's not as socially outgoing as I am. He's not afraid of people or anything like that. He just doesn't, he doesn't like to be as social of a butterfly as myself. So I'm, I have the gift of gab. And I love people. And so I was like, we're doing this. He's like, oh, geez. I'm like, no, 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 no. It'll be fine. It's going to be fine. He's like, all right, well, we should stop and get cash. I'm like, no, nah, who knows if we'll find anything, you know? At least he had the fourth, like the thought to like stop and get the cash. Well, we obviously, I was so excited. We didn't stop, but that whatever. We ended up going to the ATM across the street in the gas station. So it worked out just fine. But I appreciate him for even like thinking ahead to like get the cash. So we go. Mark is there. He, we literally walk out of the car. I wish we had a flyer. I wish Danny from Pickers had sent us. That wasn't the case, but it was so awesome. Mark was there. We go in, we get the tabletop. We're talking to him. He's got like many tabletops. He pulls one out. He's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, the house in Medfield where John Adams grandmother lived. And I was like, do tell, Mark. I love me some American history. And he's like, so this was in the jelly cabinet of the cupboard of John Adams' grandma. I'm like, I'll take it. How much? <laughs> like, say no more. Say, Mark, I got you. How much for that? He's like, I had 20 bucks. I was like, sweet. Next. And so we got these two beautiful, solid pieces of wood 
from a lifetime ago and they are gorgeous. I don't care if the story's true or not. The story's sticking with me. These two pieces of wood photograph so beautifully. I think we spent maybe 40 bucks, maybe, maybe on both pieces. One's now a tabletop and the other one I move around for photography stuff. And so anything, moral of the story, anything can be a backdrop. Anything. Um, you can get those sticky tiles from the internet or you can get them at Lowe's or Home Depot. The removable wallpaper, things like that. It's just the the thing with when you use those those style backdrops, you have to make sure that they are very out of focus because they do look kind of, if they're too in focus, they do look kind of um, fake and they don't last very long. You'll start seeing the little sticky tiles will start pulling up in places, but that's okay. It's short money and they're super lightweight because when you get these backdrops, um, when you get real tile or real marble and wood, they tend to take up a lot of space in your studio. So, you know, you try to do what you can. And there's some really nice ones too that are the the fake like vinyl style uh, printed surfaces, uh, which you can get on Etsy. There's a handful that I've bought and that I like. And again, those, if they're out of focus, I think they look great. You can, through editing, blur out some of the graininess when you're taking, because when you're using a really good sharp lens, it picks up a lot of the little nuances that the naked eye might not even see. And, uh, you know, so you just, in editing and post, you can, you can do it all, but everything from tablecloths to linens to you name it, it can be a beautiful backdrop. So let your creativity guide you. Don't limit yourself. And literally everything can be a, a cool backdrop and you don't have to spend a lot of money either. So you're going to end up spending a lot of money probably on your camera equipment and lighting. Um, don't spend a lot of money on backdrops. You can make anything work for a backdrop. Okay, let's bring on my guest. I have to. He, oh gosh, he's a commercial advertising and portraiture. Is that a word? Portraiture? Photographer? He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing, based out of New Jersey. He's been doing this for, I mean, as long as I've known him, he's had a camera in his hand, and that's well over 10 years, professionally. His eye for detail, his passion for what he's doing, it comes through in every single click of the camera he makes. I'm in awe of his work. He inspires me on the daily. He's an incredible musician, a lover of all things LaCroix, especially the hibiscus flavor. And ladies and gentlemen, he knows his way around a kitchen. He also happens to be one of my best friends on the planet and my photography mentor. I love you so much. Please, please welcome to the show, David Patino. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's happening? It's so good to see you. It's good to see you finally. Okay, but That's before, we'll talk hold on, hold on. Look what I have. What do I have? Oh, you have an orange LaCroix. That's my favorite. I know, and I'm very disappointed that you're not drinking one right now, that you are drinking a Pellegrino, which I fully support, but I got LaCroix specifically for you because there's only one person in this world that loves it more than probably the people at LaCroix. And that would be you. Yeah, it's definitely me. I have a whole fridge full of them, but 
I was on a shoot a couple of weeks ago and we used Pellegrino. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like not yes. having flavored sparkling water. Yeah. And Pellegrino is not as bubbly. It's like littler bubbles. I feel like. It's, than, yeah. It's not as. See, like, that's funny. You say little bubbles. Yeah. I think that littler bubbles. That's no, tough. Tiny bubbles. I think it's thicker water. Maybe. I love the <laughs> thicker water. New European accent. water is very thick. Oh, you're just the most adorable human. But we're not here to talk about water as much as I'd love to. We're here to talk oh, about no. photography and food and product photography, as well as some curveball questions that our friend does not know is coming towards him right now because Please. he chose not to have the questions ahead of time. Yeah, I like so, that better. I know this is going to be a lot of fun. So now you and I, we fell in love. I'm going to say it was over... 10 years ago, probably sometime in the late, like 2009, 2010, maybe at Maxwell's. I think it was when we first met at one of the many last Lanemeyer shows that got played over the years. And I think that's it's something like that. And then we really fell in love when Doyle moved to Motown, Morristown, mm-hmm. and um, hung out a lot then. And since then, mm-hmm. yeah, we've just kept the love going over the years. See? Yeah, but I've always known you to hold a camera. There's not one time since I've known you that you were not a professional photographer. So like, when did you start taking pictures and what made you fall in love with photography? The year before we started hanging out. <laughs> I just uh, missed your hot topic yeah. days. Just, God's just honest truth. <laughs> uh, no, I quit my full time in 2008. Okay. And... Prior to that, I was a pretend photographer. I was like a moonlighter. Sure. Um, the fact is that I managed a medical office for 10 years or mm-hmm. something like that. And, and then on the side, I fancied myself a photographer and um, shot weddings and whatever I could um, and didn't really even care about making money at it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and then I had some sort of stupid revelation and quit my job and I'm summarizing all of this, by the way. I know. <laughs> and uh, and quit my job. And like three or four months later, I took a job as a like a proper photographer with a studio yeah. here in New Jersey. But what made you want to be a photographer? Like what made you want fall in love with the idea of picking up a camera and capturing a moment in time? Yeah. Um, so it's in it's in the family, as they say. Mm. We're all photographers uh, in in my family and most amateur obviously uh but but there's a few pros and my grandmother was um quite a fantastic photographer and so it was always there it was always around me and i was always being photographed and there was always talk of cameras and stuff um that and music were like the two big things and so i thought i was going to go be a musician yep um so i didn't really i did a couple photo things here and there when i was like a kid but not really and then uh i don't think i brought my first camera until i was like 21 years old and what was that camera? It was a Nikon FM with a something Vivitar 35 millimeter that I was <laughs> You're ripped deep, off I for. Love it. You're really digging deep. Yeah. No, let's go. Let's get into yeah. it. Uh, no, Dover it. Dover Camera Supply or whatever the hell the name of the store was okay. in Dover, New Jersey, ripped me off so badly. <laughs> like I walked in with like uh, maybe, I don't know, probably $300, $400 in my pocket. And I a was lot of money to- back in the day yeah 21 years old yeah and um i was gonna buy a camera and they sold me the camera and a lens and they were like it's exactly the amount you have in your pocket 
what and, a coincidence yeah and i was like yeah. okay and it was film i mean it was film i had no idea what i was doing and so i played with it for like a month and then i probably just put it on a shelf and tried to impress girls with it god which didn't work and um yeah and then and then it was probably like uh let's see 20 uh at 23 years old i bought my first digital camera and that's when i clicked that's when everything that's when that's, i clicked ah, i said well, it damn you it. did that was very punny of you that was a good uh, um yeah and I, I think that might have been the year the digital camera might have been invented because let's kind be of. honest, that was like 1970. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. No, no, but, 2002, I bought my yeah. first digital and I I remember being very excited for what was happening with the idea of photography. I didn't believe in film. I didn't know enough about film. I didn't care about film. You've changed digital, your ways since then, let's be honest. Yeah, we can definitely yeah. <laughs> talk about Big that. Time. I'm kind of a, a film buff now. and. Uh, then my Fair days tracking nerd. down yeah. rare films. I know. Order, I know. You know. Yeah, it's bad. It is. Bad. It's, it's <laughs> kind of an obsession of yours. Yeah. I mean, you uh -huh. spent all day on Saturday literally developing film right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Spent like yeah. six hours. Just... Yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I texted you. It's like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm developing yeah. film. All Still day. developing. That's all I'm doing. I'm in the dark room yeah. all day. That's awesome. But I also, I got when like when I got into photography, I didn't. I just thought. I thought to myself, like, you should be a photographer. I didn't know what it meant, though. I didn't know what the whole gist of it was. And so, like, that first job I took was with a studio in West Orange, New Jersey. And all we shot was bar mitzvahs. Right. Yeah. That's all uh, we shot. I mean, I, I did, know. like, three a weekend for two years. It's a lot you know, of For two and a half years, yeah. And uh, we did, like, a couple. Like, maybe we did, like, four weddings a year. But that was it. It was all bar mitzvahs. Yeah. I mean, and it was I all Photoshop. Mitzvah, but, man, yeah, it's, it's intense. Those kids on a sugar high for that amount of time it's yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't like it i hated it it, yeah. it was great money and and i you know i was happy to be working and and i learned a lot um mm -hmm. but the event world wasn't kind of my cup of tea and i didn't really have the stomach for it to be honest i just I, you know i felt like i was just like chasing people around trying to make stuff happen but yeah. what's good is that it taught me how to manage time and people and interact with very difficult people sometimes yeah. and you know kind of like be okay with that but yeah i did that for like two and a half years and then i just had to i had to leave and go out on my own and, and figure it out and so eventually just like i think I, for like two years on my own i did weddings and events and stuff and then one year i was just like i'm not going to do this anymore i'm gonna i'm just gonna say no when the phone rings and it's an event and that's what i did i was just going to focus on commercial work and i started hitting up agencies and pr firms and web development firms and all that kind of stuff and, Here we and then now. the next year i went to go do my taxes and i was like where's all the money <laughs> How come I didn't make anything this year? It's like, oh right, it takes time to build a business. So yeah, you're telling yeah. me, man. Yeah, it yep. does. <laughs> oh, it's so true. But so <laughs> now I know, like for me in in the culinary world and stuff like cooking and in whatever, I look to like Anthony Bourdain and Samin Nosarat and a handful of other people. I can go on and on and list yeah. as culinary inspirations when it comes to what I'm going to cook, what I want to shoot, what I where I want to travel to. For photography, who are your inspirations? Because I feel like any creative, you want to find your own niche in the world and create your own style. I mean, that's what we're all trying to strive to be our own individual awesome, right? So with photography, yeah. who's who helps you? Who inspires you? Um, you see me looking around because I'm trying to remember everybody's name because I'm so bad with names. You're, it's, the, here's the one. I, I can give you the one. The one that, yeah. that turned my head and made me want to shoot. And I... My style seemed like his um, was David LaChapelle. 
Okay. I saw David LaChapelle's first book uh, probably going on 15 years ago. And I just thought to myself, what the hell? Like this guy is just the color and the styling and the sets and the whatever. And that to me was like, I want to do that. But I didn't know what that was, right? Again, like, mm-hmm. but I just kept going with it. And then I, I got really into like commercial photographers, which is weird because yeah. that's all business, right? But like yeah. I started like studying those guys. And so it wasn't, it was, I was late to the game of the art side of things, I think. And now I focus on that. I focus on like the story behind the picture and those kinds of things. So like La Chapelle is still there for me. I mean, um, Gregory Crutzen, I think is just insane. I mean, the guy builds like, these hundred thousand dollar sets he takes over a town for like a week and then he just makes like a photo oh my god you know there's like 50 people on the crew it's like oh i mean it's god. just it's yeah it's like production. kind of like yeah it's cool and then but then i love like you know just street photographers guys who walk out with tiny little cameras and just like yeah. poke around the corner and you know i mean joel myrowitz or you know the, all those guys and i don't know there's there's a million of them there's so many i love just like I, i've started collecting photo books in the last two years mm which is why I was looking around because there's yeah. books everywhere here. And I'm just like, I just will literally sit down and pick a book and go through it and be like, that's cool. And somehow morph an idea into something that I'm working on maybe. No. And I think that's awesome. Cause so many people now, I mean, back in the day, in like the nineties and early two thousands, that's what we did because there was no, the internet, what it, it wasn't what it is now. Right. Like there was no yeah. Pinterest. There was no, Google images, even like it now you just go on Pinterest, you type something in and you get a million photo inspirations, but it's all yeah. disposable. I mean, not all of it. I yes. shouldn't say that, but I mean, I don't want to give people a bad rap, but it's, it's different <laughs> than like physically getting a tangible large book and flipping through and holding something or going to yeah. a gallery or going to an opening or going just, yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's, it's important and it's important to yeah. give credit where credit is due because especially old school film photography and the amount of time and effort that it takes to get that shot the way we see it in a book or a painting or, you know, yeah. in a gallery, it's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's mind blowing. It's the talent I, is. Yeah. I don't think I could ever stomach shooting film on a job as of now, at least. <laughs> no. I don't you think I could do it. You need an insane budget because yeah. you would need so much product, like so yeah. much film just to to possibly go through. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and that instant, I mean, the, the way a shoot is structured now is, you know, I mean, I do a lot of work where there's like, you know, a few people standing behind me, politely pointing at the computer going, right. no, that's not right. right. Um, but I thrive in that, in that kind of market, in that, that condition. And so I'm okay with it, but like, I can't imagine that my clients would be able to be like, I guess we'll see it in three days. Like, yeah, literally longer. Yeah, and like you know? you've already broken down the set. You've already moved on. The actors are yeah. gone. Craft service is gone. No more yeah. catering. Like it's no. all gone. And yeah, you're stuck with what you shot. And I mean, that's a lot of trust, but it's also a lot of talent on the photographer's end to know how to capture the lighting, how to how to manipulate things with literally one click of a button. Yeah, I yeah. hope to be that talented someday. I think you are because I leading up to this, I gave you this big, long intro and gushing. And as everyone knows, you are my mentor. Like when it comes to photography, I look up to you <laughs> so much. And I know you're laughing because you're like, why, why would you? But yeah. it, I do. I mean, you are, you are my beacon of light when it comes to <laughs> photography and everything that I'm trying to achieve in, a, in my little lifetime. So I love you and I That's look nice up to you. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, let's, we digress. So 
in talking about art, art is so subjective, right? What mm -hmm. do you think makes a good photo for you when you're looking at something? No, for me, it's all about, I think, the lighting. It's, and it, and it doesn't have to be manufactured lighting. It could be natural lighting, although I don't, I'm not a big fan of natural lighting, to be honest with you. But um, for me, it's that. It's, it's that idea that moving the lighting around can drastically change the look, shape, feel of the same image. Mm -hmm. You can literally move nothing except for one light and change everything. And so that for me is the big thing when I look at photos. I mean, it immediately tells me like, is this happy? Is this sad? Is this, you know, whatever, like insert any emotive mm -hmm. adjective. It's that's how it comes across. So um, subject matter is a very close second. It is very close. Very close. <laughs> um, very, very close. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's the lighting that takes over and kind of sets the tone. Yeah, no, when you, when I have you critique my photos, that's the first thing you always talk about. Usually, yeah. And I love it. I love it though, because it's, it's you, you're, you're the best teacher on the planet. So in the same vein, when I'm trying to educate myself, especially with photography, I go to you as one of my main sources among other things, but how do you educate yourself? Cause you're constantly learning and growing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. Um, it's cool because nowadays it's, it's it's usually a client push for like mm. the work stuff. Like the client will want something and it becomes, how do I do that? Or how do I make that happen? Or so, you know, that's kind of how I learn new with the work stuff, at least, you know I mean? That's kind of yeah. how I learn, end up learning new stuff. But, you know, we're lucky today. Like, first of all, I look at a million photos. I look at photo books. I look at, you know, I'm, I'm constantly just looking at stuff, you know, and artwork and just trying to like deconstruct it mm. on the back end, you know, like, reverse engineer everything. Like I love doing that kind of stuff. And I don't actually like play with my camera a lot anymore. I should, I definitely need to start doing that more, but um, you know, that's a huge thing. Like just picking up your camera, like going and shooting a bowl of whatever, yeah. lemons. you know I mean? Like yeah. that's this thing that people do and it can be very beautiful and very helpful and very yeah. whatever. And um, you know, but, but if I need to learn something, like if I want to actually learn something, um, I will go and look at photographs that make my head turn mm. like that. Just, I will go and sit and stare at that for 20 minutes and try to figure out what it is. I don't mind the YouTube stuff. I love it. The market is flooded with bullshit right now though. Like, you know, everybody's, everybody's a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so you gotta be really careful about who you're following, mm -hmm. you know? And, and then the other thing is like, you can surpass those guys and girls real quickly. You know, yeah. the guys and girls are talking about, this is how you do this. And like, you're like, yeah, yeah I get that. Take me to the next level. Right, like, how right, do I do right. that stuff? You know? And so mm -hmm. it's tough in the world of commercial photography. It's a very tight lipped community. Like people don't like to talk about their, you know, their technique or their billing or, you know, nobody wants to talk about that stuff because that's what makes you so valuable apparently. Mm. Um, you know? And so it's very difficult unless you go and work for someone or assist someone. It's very difficult to get information out of other photographers. Yeah. You know, our, 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 our good friend, Dan Ryan tells this like amazing story about how like he landed this job in New Jersey and he was trying to like shoot a million apartment complexes or something like that. And he didn't know what he was doing. Like he didn't know how to bill it. So he called this architectural photographer to be like, Hey man, like, can I buy you a cup of coffee and talk right, to you? And, and the guy, yeah, exactly. Dude. And the guy was like, F you. No. Oh yeah. He totally was like, 
you shouldn't even be taking this job. You have no idea what you're doing. <gasps> you don't know how to bill it. Yeah, yeah. It and terrible. then like you look at Dan's shit now and it's it yeah. probably blows oh, that yeah. guy so far yeah. out of the water. Yeah. No, and, and so you could funny. literally call Dan and be like, hey, I, yeah, I have no idea who you are, but I have to bill this job. What do you think? And Dan will talk to you for five minutes. hundred percent. Sure. I mean, God, yeah. I literally he texted me last night and was like, hey, how's your new camera going? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, I love yep. you. But so yeah, it's amazing. you know, finding people like that, that will share information and, and yeah. that actually have the information. That's the other problem is like, you, you see a lot of people online saying and touting that they know these things and do these things. And that's just their one thing though. You know what I mean? Like, right. and that might've worked for them, but I don't know if that's gonna work for me and my client. So it's tough, I, but I do, I do a lot of searching online. There's a couple of websites that I use and stuff like that to help me, you know, not be a total flop. So no, you're not. Yeah, I know. You're not. I'm. Not I, hey, thank God I have you in my life. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about trends for a second because we are mm -hmm. talking in food and product. So yeah, there's a lot of trend. Being trends come and go. Trends with everything comes and goes. What yep. do you see as the trends happening for 2021 when it comes to food and product photography? Wow, um, that's interesting. I it depends on the client. Yeah. Yeah, it really depends on the client. And it's tough because like, first of all, yeah, everybody has to understand like I'm the anti-food photographer, right? You like yeah. I shoot product. That holds that, food. That holds food. Yeah. And so I'm in this weird place where like, I need to show enough product. Right. And but also food. not have it, right. But not right. have it look like, wow, that's why is there only one piece of asparagus on that part? Right. Like, right. So you I have this have like weird little food in the past. I mean, I've seen some. Sure, sure. Oh, there's tons. Of, the yeah, past. I've done yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I I don't know. I don't know where the trends go or who starts them. <laughs> uh, well, it's I would I'd love to know that consumer consumption, right? Like, so you. I guess. With a lot of the advertising, I mean, maybe I'm late to the the game on this, but like those bright, bold background colors yeah. where it's like seamless or color aid paper and, you know, and then it's like sp splashy, but I mean, that's so editorial, yep. whatever. But then you see other things that are more like the food 52 Bon Appetit style shooting, yep. which is like a little more moody and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think it's based, I would guess it's based on what the, it's driven by the consumer. So if Correct. you're going to buy more. And I think than, I, yeah, and I think what you have is you have brands that now they plant their feet in the sand real hard. I mean, like yeah. if you look at like, you know, CB2 or, you know, even Crate and Barrel themselves, like their aesthetic has changed very little over the last, 100%. I'm going to say 10 to 15 years. You know what I mean? Like very, yeah. very little. Yeah. They get it. They have it. It's, it's the, you know, when we shoot food or product, we're not selling the food or the product. We're shooting the lifestyle. We're, we're selling the lifestyle around it. hundred percent. Right. So like, like my big housewares client that I shoot for all the time, they like, I know now, like we don't use regular radishes. We use watermelon radishes. Why? Because they're effing fancy, you know, like, yeah. by the way, can I say fuck? I didn't even. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can swear. Don't oh, worry. Jesus. All right. I don't have to curb myself here. Okay. No, no. You've been, Watermel so, <laughs> yeah, you've been so good about it. I was like, he's, I always forget. He's not dropping an F-bomb. I'm yeah. proud. Um, you know, watermelon radishes are so much more fucking fancy than regular radishes. Yeah. And so. That's just something that, like, I know that we do that and we go over here and, you know, for this client, we do this You're thing buying now. stuff but, at Whole Foods and you're not going to shop right. Yeah, no, 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 right. no, 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 definitely right. not. Um, but, but I think that the client sets the tone for mm. the look and feel of the year, to be honest with you. And I just kind of roll along with it. 
Um, you know, you see everybody's like, oh, the Pantone color of the year and that, but like, yeah. that's literally just Pantone going like yellow. We're going to do right. yellow this year. Melon. You know, this year it's and then everybody auto. jumps on boards like, yeah. oh my God, we need to get the yellow background. Like, that's cool. I'm totally for it. But yeah. um, I don't know. I'd rather cater it to the brand than the what I think is going to happen this year. Are there any trends that you would love to see just disappear completely that you can't stand? No. Okay, great. No, there's nothing crazy. There's, there's, I, I, it's hysterical. Usually I could be really negative and give you a million answers. No, you, you're like one of the most positive people I know. That's bullshit. Um, talk to my wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she gets to see it all. Um, Apparently, yeah. I feel bad for her. Yeah, no, there's nothing that I really hate. I think um, I, I, I'm kind of done with sun flares. <laughs> mm. I think the, you know, the, the fake sun flares are, are great they add a lot to an image but it's kind of like okay like please don't stick them in where they don't belong um you know you get a lot of people that like put flares in and you're like where the fuck is the flare coming from there's no right. window anywhere in this scene <laughs> like not even a hint of a window so how is the sun flaring out behind like it's not on. happening it's not no no no, no. it's all bullshit it is. and and um yeah, that would be my big one. If I had to pick one, it'd be sunflowers right now. Okay, great. And like with photography, it's hard because so you're capturing literally a moment in time, like a moment mm -hmm. frozen in time. Mm -hmm. How do you keep your photography looking so fresh and timeless? Because yours does, like when you go on your website, which we'll talk about later, um, a lot of your photos, like for example, the portobello mushroom sandwich photo, that is mm -hmm. held up over time. And you took that, what, five years ago? Ish? Oh God, more than that. Maybe longer? Uh, Eight probably probably eight or nine years ago. Yeah. When you were first yeah. starting out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Literally. And I, I mean, but it looks like something you could easily see in an editorial place yeah. today, right? So like, how do you keep yep. it so fresh? I was kind of, I actually, it's funny. I remember like, I remember taking that photo because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was by myself in the studio and that was not a job. That was not a client. There was nothing happening. I was trying to get into shooting some food stuff or some food product stuff. And so yeah. I, spent like a week in my studio just kind of building stuff and taking pictures of it and and that was one of them and and that shot started off on, on like a white background originally and then somehow I ended up on the green and that was it like once I saw it it clicked and and it's hard because like I don't know what the like I said like I don't really pay attention to the trends so I don't I don't really know like if people look at that it, like I like that image that's why it's on my website yeah and and people have said to me like wow that's really stunning and so i keep it on there, you it's know like, stunning it is a stun it's a beautiful image thanks for a lot of reasons <laughs> yeah, yeah but nobody's nobody's pooped all over it yet so it, it'll probably stay up there for a bit you know like it, i just kind of like it it's a weird first of all it's kind of weird like yeah because it's like two even like the hardcore halves and like sprouts in the middle right. that make it look like a burger right but like even the hardcore vegans i know would be like I'm not eating that. Like no, nobody you know, it looks dry as fuck. Nobody's yeah. oh eating it, but it's so beautifully lit and the way and the way yeah. that the light and the background, the contrast of it, I mean, it's a freaking gorgeous shot. Yeah. I, I so that's the other thing is that um, you know, when I go in to do a shot, I mean that shot probably took me an hour and a half to build. Mm -hmm. To build mm -hmm. and shoot, mm -hmm. you know, in all honesty. And that's a lot of what I do now is like you say we're capturing a moment in time, yeah. but that moment is so manufactured and it took me an hour to build. And, Easily, if not longer. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, on a good day, on a really good day, there's a food stylist who helps out and there's, oh, yeah. you know, somebody else to do whatever. And, 
and all I have to do is focus on lighting and composing and shooting. But more times than not, it's, you know, we're doing a little bit of everything. And so, you know, I am doing a little bit of food style and I am doing like cooking stuff or whatever and, and trying to make it all look good. And, and so that moment in time is wildly manufactured. And, and most of my shoots are like that, you know, like, yeah. um, the idea of like walking into um, a kitchen and just shooting people as they're prepping <laughs> oh, God. makes me want to die like yeah. that. And I actually just, I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going to do a job like that. In, I think in the next month or so where um, we're doing a bunch of like prepared meats actually. Yeah. And um, you know, the, the goal will be to shoot that obviously like the plates, the plated food, but we figured while we're there in this kitchen, we should probably get all this other stuff too. Yeah. Get like kind of more candid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I know for a fact that I will candid around and then be like, Hey, stop back up. No, 100%. lower. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Great. But you know I mean? Cause it's move the light. It, oh yeah. 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 I just, I, I don't, it's gotta be. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's too hard. Yeah, no, I know. And it, if you didn't do that, you wouldn't get the shot that you want that the client's right. going to want. And yeah, I know. But, but there's the thing, like if the client doesn't come to you and say like, we really want something like this, mm-hmm. then I can go in and kind of play around and do whatever the hell I want. But mm-hmm. more times than not, the client's like, there's an inspiration shot or something we're you know, trying to mimic or another shot that we did for them or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and it is a very well thought out um, business at that point. Yeah. You know, which is pros, as, it, I mean, it has its pros and cons. Pros and cons. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's all about how much money they want to spend because- literally time is money with anything and especially with this business time literally time is money yeah yeah (laughs) big time (laughs) big time now i know this about you and others probably do as well they're listening and know you well beyond your love of Lacroix, you are obsessed with gear like it's if there was an aa for you in photography gear you would definitely need to be we would be taking you to the Betty Crocker Ford clinic, whatever. Yeah. So is there a piece of gear that you have bought that you really regretted? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, actually I can say no. There are many things that I bought and they didn't work out okay. or didn't do what I thought they were doing, but it's sure. very rare that I regret something. Cause I do, when I make purchases, I usually make them well thought out. <laughs> For the, yeah, especially big one. You know, I mean, that's the problem is that like yeah. you get to a point where like, you know, I remember, I remember like you know whatever, ten fifteen years ago, like going to buy camera stuff and being like, yeah, I'm gonna buy this, like no big deal. Now the price of the equipment is much more than it used to be because mm-hmm. of kind of just what I'm drawn to, and so I don't just get to make purchases for the hell of it anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> No, I could, I could, you I could. could. Just, you, you, your wife would murder you, and you'd be in severe debt. <laughs> you could. No, I. She's. You know, I got to give her credit. The last camera, or two cameras ago, my main camera. When I bought that, it was, it was like buying a car. It was like, yeah, financing and paperwork. It took me like two weeks to process everything, and 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 finally buy it. And and it was probably a, it was a good six month ordeal leading up to it. Sure. And um she was very cool about it she was just like well if you think that that's you know yeah that's awesome (laughs) i mean the fact that you both are so passionate about what you both do because she's in uh you know video she's in the biz she's in the biz and so i'm sure if she was like hey yo i need to invest in whatever you would be like yeah go for it and we've done it i mean the lamborghini of cameras so you buy whatever you want 
Yeah, we've all done it. Um, we, we, we help each other back and forth with stuff like that. But yeah, yeah there's nothing I really regret. Actually, I, no, there is one. I'll give you one. Give me one. Ready for this? I am. I'm on the edge I of my regret, seat. I regret buying all of my fake vinyl tabletops. Um, they work great. If you're shooting straight overhead for like all that cool food stuff, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No, no, they're actually amazing and they work well. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting at any sort of an angle, oh yeah, you lose. There's no like the light doesn't catch the wood grain like it would on a regular table, Mm-mm. and so you lose all of it. it it's all so just like fake. looks yeah. so fake, so destroyed. And yeah, I probably we probably spent a good like you know four to five hundred bucks on those last year for a shoot, yeah. and it was good. Like the client liked it, and I was okay with it, but. About a month later, I went back and looked at those shots and I was like, nope, not doing that anymore. <laughs> those that are not, not going on the portfolio. Not a good choice. Yeah. yeah and now yeah. I actually own like, I don't know, a thousand pounds worth of tile and wood. And, yeah. you know, I just, I just have stuff, you know. You do, and but you have the space for stuff now that you have your new. Thank God. Yeah, I know. And you're, you've already outgrown it. So yeah. you're going to need another space <laughs> soon, at least like a storeroom. All right. Do you want to answer some listener questions? Let's do it. Okay. So Marcus from Instagram asks, I don't have any money to invest in photography equipment, the equipment, but I want to take better food photos for my Instagram. What tips do you have for shooting food photography with your phone? Don't Marcus. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Totally. Um, again, it's all about the lighting. Okay. Any, I'd say any phone you can buy in the last five years probably takes a really nice picture, right? I think that's fair to say um, I agree. to the point, to the point where you wouldn't be able to tell if it was taken with a phone or not. Right. So number one, right, let's go back to it. Number one is mm-hmm. lighting, like get that light, right, man. You know, mm-hmm. lighting that lighting that comes from the direction of the lens, meaning like if the light is behind you or on top of you, that shot is going to look flat and stupid and weird. And if you look at all the delicious food shots, the lighting usually comes from behind or a mm-hmm. very strong side angle or something like that. So, you know, I think that's very important. Everybody's like, oh, put your, you know, put your muffin in front of a window and shoot it. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes, I agree yeah. with that. But make sure that window is like behind or to the side of your muffin before you shoot it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, you make my day. Your muffin. Put your muffin next to <laughs> window, Marcus. There you go, Marcus. Hit me up. I love it. All right. Hit him up for more. Um, Lily from California asks, what equipment do you currently use? So my main camera is- Lily, how a... much time do you have? No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm down to, I'm actually down to just I know. a little bit of gear now. Uh, my main camera is a, a, by a company called Phase One. Um, and it's the full thing is I own the IQ3 100 megapixel trichromatic sensor. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, it literally costs as much as a Mercedes, <laughs> like a, a yeah. good high-end Mercedes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a butte. I mean, it's a real butte. It's 100 She's a hundred megapixels. It's uh-huh. got more more dynamic range, meaning it captures more lights and darks than anything else I can find. And um, and the images are so sharp, it's scary. Yeah, they're beautiful. I've seen. It's, yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've always strived for like um, large sensor cameras, meaning like I want a lot of information, I want a lot of data so I can yeah. mess with it later or crop it or do whatever. 
and uh, the what is it? The Canon five D R. Yeah, the newest one, right? No, yeah. no, the one from eight years ago or whatever it was. Oh, the Mark 5D. something. Yeah, it was called the five D R, five D S R. Yeah, I'm totally blowing this, but um, that was You're my fine. camera. It was a fifty megapixel. And I bought it and like the week it came out and I was so pumped. And then like I delivered the first job and the client was like, hey, these files are really big. Do you mind resizing them? So they're not so. <laughs> oh, no. And that's been the story of my life ever since. Oh, yeah. God. yeah, I shoot this, this, like you said, a Mercedes of a camera now. You and do. I would say 90% of the work just ends up on Instagram. It's total overkill. Oh, but, but it's so good. Though. It's so beautiful, though. And it I do is. it because I know what it's capable of and I know how I can push and pull it. And so yeah, it's it's for me. It's not for anybody else. It's not to impress the client or anything like that. Nobody. I've never walked on set and had someone go, whoa, is that a phase one? Actually, on Friday, that happened for like the first time. <laughs> of course. The of first course. time ever. But like literally. And it was the, it wasn't even like the client or something. It was some other, you know, geeky guy on set who was like, whoa. But yeah, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody oh, cares about what kind of gear you use. Okay, yeah. so this is a good lead-in. So Thomas from the UK asks, I love traveling, but I do not want to take my expensive camera with me. Do you have any advice on what camera I could purchase and bring with me to get some great shots? If you spent the money, you should be carrying it everywhere with you. Oh my God, you're not taking that. You didn't take that camera to Rome. If you uh, had it, no, you No, because it's have... too big. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I believe in owning a lot of cameras because... Uh, there's a right camera for each job, uh -huh. right? So if if it's if it's that that camera that you own is too heavy or whatever and you don't want to take it, then okay, it's not the right camera. But I would urge you to take your best camera with you always. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I think that you know you kind of learn. Well, you're talking to the wrong guy first of all because I either bring the big camera or I bring my phone with me. True. There no, is no when you went to no, when you this is a lie. Now I'm calling okay. you out. When Go ahead, you call went me out to Rome, when you went to Rome, set, yeah, yeah, exactly. Article two. You got a different camera for that trip. Yeah. I bought uh, a Fuji X one hundred. I can't remember which one. F R some yep. of them. Mm -hmm. Bought it, got back from Rome, promptly sold it. You right, but you said it took decent photos while you were there. It took great photos. And it served camera its was purpose. Beautiful. It was. Yes. Yeah. So Thomas from the UK, I get a great point and shoot camera. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, if you're just looking for something to travel with and kind of knock around and you still want to have like nice files that you can play with later on. Right. Um, yes, I, I love the Fuji point and shoots. I think they're amazing. Uh, yeah. They're on like, I can't remember what version now, but um, they're insane. And the nice part is like, they're literal point and shoots. Like they have little collapsible lenses. And yeah. They do amazing things. And, and Fuji makes you know, great color science and they, I don't know. I mean, they just look really good. So yes, if you're looking for like, buy this camera, uh, I would definitely look at the Fuji X100 lineup. Yeah, I agree with you because your phone can take decent shots. Don't get me wrong. Like a phone shot, if it's just going on Instagram or something like that, that's one thing. But if you're, you want to take a good photo later to manipulate, I think what you're saying is probably the way to go personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, what are you going to do with the photos? Are you taking snapshots on vacation? Right. That's one thing, you know, like, yeah, go bring your point and shoot or whatever. Use your phone. Like, are you going out to make artwork? Right. Like something that you want to print and frame? Well, then maybe you want to carry something a little bit heftier with you. So, you know. <laughs> Pack your tripod, Thomas. Yeah. Man Put up. your muffin by the window. <laughs> new line. I'm going to use it everywhere. Find a camera store where you are. Make sure you can rent your equipment, your lighting equipment. No. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, real quick. You just brought up a really great point, though. 
yeah rent something yeah you know like not everybody has the budget to buy stuff you know and i actually when i went to rome i literally almost rented that camera yeah you did and the only reason i didn't is because i was going i was supposed to go to rome and then i was supposed to come home and then i was supposed to go to bangkok for like a week Mm -hmm, and when i looked at the rental fee for three and a half weeks yeah, it was, it was like as, like buying a smidge, it yeah, buying it. Yeah, it was close. Yeah. And then you turned around and sold it. So it was like it never happened. Exactly. But yeah. but like renting stuff is great. And you have all these online companies now that literally like overnight, you know, you can say like, give me this camera. They overnight oh, yeah. it to you. It's super mm-hmm. cheap. And then you just like FedEx it back to them when you get home. Like that's a great way to test stuff out. I agree, especially with lenses and cameras you're looking to purchase to see if you even want to use that equipment. Um, and always buy, yeah. if you can buy used, buy used from a credible place because- you know, why not? That's what I do. Money. Time is money. Money is money. Amelia from Instagram wants to know what's your favorite lens and why? Oh, this is like picking a favorite child for him. (laughs) Oh my God. If you guys could see the look on his face right now. Holy shit, man. He's still in shock. Amelia, you shook him. You did. I'm actually like, I wish uh, I had looked at the questions ahead of time. I told you. I told you. <laughs> um, okay. I, I, yep. Wow. TikTok, buddy. TikTok. You can, ed- you can edit all this. Silence oh, out. no. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> this is gold. Honestly, if I had to pick one, and it is a one-trick pony, but... Um, yeah, go ahead. Say it. The, the, the 150 millimeter Schneider that I have for my phase one is the most beautiful lens I have ever shot through. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I bought the camera, the deal that they had at the time was, if you buy the system, we'll give you any lens for free. <laughs> Included in the cost of the camera. <laughs> That's how expensive this camera is, everybody. I am yeah. just throwing yeah. it out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and at the time, the bulk of my work came from shooting portraits. And so right. that is the portrait. I mean, like there is no other portrait lens on the planet that looks no. that way. So um, I was like, it's also the most expensive lens that Schneider makes for phase one. And so I was like, well, I'll take the $8,000 one. Right. Why not? I can't, because af- I can afford the other one, maybe. Maybe. Um, so give me the one that I can't afford. Yeah. yeah. But I got it. And that, that was the only lens that I shot with. The only lens I owned. And I shot with for, I want to say like almost three months. Wow. If I had to get a wider shot, I backed up way yeah, backed way up. Back. Yeah, but man, that that lens is just like I'm, I'm staring at it. So I'm not even looking at you on the Zoom. No, I'm I know. Staring at it across the room, <laughs> like, making eyes at it. I know. I, 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 yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know. He's not saying that to me. So I know it's the lens. <laughs> oh, Amelia. Oh, Amelia. Okay. Um, let's do this one. Phoebe from Facebook. What is your favorite shot you've taken and why? Oh, God, these people. What the hell? So, this is so good. That's a great question. And it changes day to day, week to week. Yeah. Here's the problem is that I, um, I hate almost everything that comes out of my camera. Everything that I've decided to make, I usually despise. Now, here's the weird part. I will shoot it whether it's digital or film, whatever, as soon as I see the image, I usually go to myself like, hell yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. I got it. Mm -hmm. If I look at it the next morning, I start to pull it apart and I start to hate it and I start to really get nasty with it. Yeah. 
You have to walk away. For probably six months to a year. Yeah. And then I can go back and look at something and be like, that's not half bad. I did a good job. Hold on. Let me, let me get that right there. Not yeah. bad, Dave. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so that's my problem is that like, I will love an image as soon as I make it. And then I hate it very quickly. So to answer the question, yeah. um, my current favorite image is actually, um, and I just stumbled across it cause I was scanning old photos, um, is I bought a four by five camera maybe two years ago, three years ago when I was really getting into film, mm-hmm. but an old Graflex from the thirties and I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never shot four by five before and, and I got it and I loaded the film in the bathroom. For those of you who don't know, four by five, is, it's four inches. The, the negative is four inches by five inches. Yep. It's a giant sheet of film. Massive. You shoot yeah. one at a time and that's it. And it's, um, whenever I got new cameras, I would always take my dog who passed, but yeah. Um, and she would just sit, she would sit and I could test stuff out on her. And so it's one of my favorite images ever though. It's, Aww. it's a four by five of her propped up on the couch in the studio and she was like why the hell am i up on the couch uh it's just her being her though and it's a bunch of daylight it's nothing crazy it's black and white it's just but it's her and that's why i love that yeah i love that i think i saw that one the other day you might have i think i did it was a very sweet shot okay finley from new york asks I've always wanted to get into food photography. What do you think is the must-haves for gear and equipment to get a great shot? Patience, Finley. You need tons of patience. I'll tell you that. Patience. <laughs> but gear. <laughs> Coming um, from the gear guy, Finley. Yeah, yeah. Your, no. Are you ready to make it rain, Finley? Because here he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is crap, Finley. Uh, no. No, again, I, I, I believe me, I'm one of those guys who will tell you, spend the most amount of money that you have in your pocket right now mm-hmm. on the camera that you want. And more mm-hmm. importantly, spend the most amount of money on the lens. Mm-hmm. The agree. lens is going to last you longer than the camera. Yep. And, you know, that's kind of everything. I think if you're looking to actually get into food photography, um, here's what I would tell you. Get a nice camera that does some, you know, decent stuff. I hate to say it that way, but that's the only way. It's I true. It. No, no, Spend no, the no. most it's... amount of money you can on the body. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yep. When it comes to lenses though, honestly, you're going to want something on the longer end. You're going to want to start with like a 50 millimeter yep. or an 85 or one of my favorites was the, the hundred macro. Um, right. And so that they're very versatile lenses. The last thing you want to do is shoot food photography with a very wide angle lens, wide angle right. lenses distort stuff. So that's why, you know, Yes, you can do it every once in a while, but general rule of thumb is you don't want like, you know, if you're shooting a fruit bowl, let's say you don't, it distorts the fruit and everything mm-hmm. will look pulled and weird at the edges. So you want to avoid stuff like that. I would say end up with a longer lens, you know, 50, 85, 100, 150, whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. That would be what I would say. Yeah. The hundred millimeter macro is the best because then you it's have that jam. beautiful, it's the, it's the best investment by far. It is. And-, and it's not an expensive lens in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I know. Depends on your budget, I man. <laughs> I know. I know. It's uh, not but, an eight thousand dollar free lens. No, it's, it's not. It's a nine hundred dollar. It's a nine hundred dollar lens. Yeah, right? it's like a thousand bucks. Which, yeah. in the terms of lenses, is oh, no, pretty it, on the cheap side. It is, and it was made forever ago. Like the one I oh, yeah. got, yeah, yeah, used was I think a thousand, and it was yeah. yeah. And the new Canon cameras, the RF whatever mount thing it works great with i will attest to yeah they work great 
I I yeah. still own uh, I have a Canon seventy to two hundred that I bought off of a guy who used to shoot for the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. The date stamp on the lens mm. is nineteen ninety six. Perfect. I'm sure we're and that right. lens still functions perfectly. Yeah, you're it's been s- rebuilt probably three times, but it still yeah. functions perfectly. No, yeah, and like you said, you're so. going to spend more money on lenses than you ever will on camera bodies. In yeah. the long, like, I mean, in that's what run. you, yeah, because your camera body is more disposable than your lens. Correct. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So one more listener question for this. And then you've got some more. Oh boy. <laughs> you, you said, you said, Jonathan from Seattle asks, I love taking food photos, but I struggle with creating great composition with my photographs. What can I do to make this better? Get close. Get close. Get close to your food. Yeah, get get close. I, I be at one with your taco. Like what? Yeah. Get close. Physically, get your camera closer to the food. That's what I'm saying. Here's the thing: when you pull back and you think about, you know, when you think about like, oh, I saw this beautiful dish on a table. That table can make or break the food. Yeah. If that table is poorly decorated, yeah. Guess what looks like shit? Yeah. The food. Yeah. If the table is gorgeously decorated, um, as long as the food looks okay, yeah. it can add, right? It can add a lot. If the food looks good, though, bottom line, and the table is whatever, get really close to it. Show me a close-up of that food. Right, but you not know, so me... close. You need a little breathing room, too. You need a little breathing room, obviously. But, like, get in there. You know, like, you don't – here's my point. If you're going to shoot a hamburger, you don't have yeah. to show the whole hamburger. No. People know what a hamburger looks like. Yeah. Right? So – it's okay to like only show a part of it. It actually yeah. might make it more interesting. It might make it more appealing. It might, it leads the viewer to have a stake in the photo. And I think that's, what's most important is that like. <laughs> Ended. <laughs> yes. You're very funny true, like, today. All the little you, dad puns. If you, uh, steak, damn it. I didn't even I realize. Did, I, I know, I know, I know. Ah. Ah. But that, it's true though. Like people don't want to be told what to eat. They want to think to themselves like, I could make something like that, or I could see myself eating that. Like they mm-hmm. want to be put into the scene. They don't want to just be said like, Hey, here's, you know, your muffin. Like, you know, they want to be like, Oh, I could, I could do that. You know, it's gotta be yeah. their idea. And so, you know, I think if you let them imagine what the rest of the table, what the rest of the scene might look like, they can make it their own. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. I like that. Um, all right. So if you ask me these questions tomorrow, I will give you different answers to all. I know. Them. That's why I love it. <laughs> I know. You never know what you're going to get with David Patino. Now you've been doing this for, we've decided 12 years professionally, give or take, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the best piece of advice you feel like you could give somebody just starting out that you wish you got when you first started out in this career? I ask me again, go ahead. Ask me again. You want me Here to ask go. you again? All right. Yeah. yeah. What's okay. the best piece of advice I could give to who? To someone Newcomers? who's just starting out in this career that you wish that you had when you had first started out. Yeah. Um, I wish someone had told me to not give a shit about the gear. Mm. I really wish that. I I spent, it's funny. I'll get reminded by Facebook. Or Facebook will be like, hey, remember this? Yeah. And it will be like, it will be a post from 2009 and I will have been like on my way to New York to go to a camera trade show. Oh. And, and the post is just like, oh man, can't wait to see all the lenses so today. Yeah. Hope my wallet can take it. Like, 
They're actually those are actual posts, I think. Um, <laughs> it doesn't it. fucking matter. Yeah, it really does. Like my my biggest problem was like I was really into gear. I'm quite a techie, and and mm-hmm. to begin with, and then the woman that I worked for originally was a crazy techie. I mean, to the point where like she walked in one day and was like, "I want you to sell all of my cameras and buy." Like she was like, sell all my Nikon cameras and buy all my Canon cameras. Oh my today, god! Today, and I'll never forget it. Like we literally eBayed everything and then spent like thirty thousand dollars of each photo. That must have been your wet dream, right there, man. Like it was that, awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had every lens ever ever made through Nikon and Canon, and so I got really into it. And then I was like lucky enough to end up working for not working but assisting um, the tech editor at PDN Magazine which was uh, this photo magazine that used to be around. And they would literally send me cameras and lenses and product and I would play with it. And then this guy would come take me out to lunch and feed me a couple of beers. And he'd be like, so what do you think? And I'd be like, <laughs> well, that's a piece of shit. Right. And then yeah. like, and then this article would come out like a month later and be like, Patino said the camera performed <gasps> poorly in low light. And yeah. And, but that's also what broke me of the whole gear thing. Cause I got to mm-hmm. the point about, three or four years in on that on that job and and I was like you know they would send another camera and I'd be like I don't know it's the same as the last fucking camera like they're all good what do you want me to say like I can nitpick everything but and I started to really kind of get like it doesn't matter it's all about who's running the camera not the camera itself you know yeah I've seen guys you you see those shootouts on YouTube where guys like I'm well you just fucking did it you're like shooting with a rebel t3i from I know. 15 years ago. Literally. And the yeah. shots looked fine. Yeah, they were. They were fine. But I was on the struggle bus the whole time. And I didn't sure. realize it until. And then bus. like, right. It, I say it all the time. And then it was literally, I felt like, and I've said this to you already a handful of times that I went from shooting film when I was doing the T3 to now with the EOS R that like, it's now I feel like I'm shooting with a, a digital DSLR because yeah. like, I mean, it's n- night and day night and day yeah the gear can make your life easier for sure but if you don't know what you're doing to begin with no then it doesn't matter what the hell you want you know so like don't honestly i would say like i wish someone had said to me like hey don't worry about the gear i mean you hear everybody say like it's not about the gear it's not about the gear and it's very true i hate to say it like it's so cliche it really is like learn your technique or like look at the old masters or look at yeah here's the other thing i'm gonna go totally off topic sorry but like go for it don't look at photos. Yeah, I agree. Holy yeah. shit. Look at anything but photos for inspiration. Yeah. Because you're just going to end up copying somebody else. And like, yes, we all steal from everybody else. That's yeah. what we do. I mean, like, yeah. but yeah, look at other shit. You know, look at look at artwork or cars, or architecture. Or yeah. Whatever. You know, I mean, there's a million things that can inspire you and shapes and lights and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, but yeah, I really do wish someone had been like, hey, settle down. It's. You don't need to always buy the newest camera, you know? And now yeah. it's even harder because now they put out a camera every three months. Like, Yeah, but then, I mean, there's, I think that there's a huge difference from shooting on a full frame versus not, right? Or shooting mm-hmm. with a, a full frame mirrorless versus not. I think mm-hmm. that that is a good jump to make. But then beyond that, like, are you really going to use all of the new bells and whistles? Probably not. Probably not. No, you're better off spending your money on lenses. Yeah. Agreed. And like you said, there's, mastering I mean, I don't, what you have, which you've said to yeah, me a million times. There's so many things that cameras do that I own that I don't, like, I don't even understand what they do. 
for real. Like, <laughs> I actually get this. So this camera I bought, uh, I guess I've owned it for two years now. I was having a lot of trouble with like focusing. Like mm-hmm. I had a lot of out of focus pictures and I couldn't figure out. And I was like, whatever, maybe I'm just that bad. Like, and finally I called my, my buddy who sold it to me and I was like, I don't know. I, I know it's medium format and I know that there's issues with focusing, but like, I feel like I'm really bad now. And, and he was like, wow, man, that's crazy. Like it shouldn't be that bad. You know, like you should have to struggle <laughs> a little bit, but, and he was like, I mean, you got the focus assist on. So like, and I was like, Oh my like, God. And you didn't, did you? No. Yeah, and he was like, when you push the button, a light turns on, right? And I was like, I have no, no. idea what you're talking about. No, no. Yeah. And he was like, uh, menu, item one, scroll down three pages. And I was like, oh my God. Life life changed right there. I'm a fucking moron. So another- So great, read the manual. Yeah, read, no, is don't be afraid to ask questions to people because yeah. that you know, and like lean on them yeah. because they're, they're there for you. Totally. Yeah. Dan in Arizona asks, what is something that is overlooked by creatives who want to make their passion a career? Uh, most people overlook the fact that it's going to become a career, that it's going to be a job. And although you might love it and it's wonderful and it beats any day that you ever spent sitting at a desk, it it is a job. And there is a lot of responsibility around it. And there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of business, you know I mean? Like it's, it becomes a business. Like it's not just taking pictures for the fun of it. Taking pictures becomes the, the, the smallest piece of mm-hmm. the puzzle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, there's, there's shoots that I do where the, the, the pre-planning and the post-production are far greater and longer and oh, time yeah. consuming than the actual shoot itself. You know what I mean? The shoot might take a day, but there's, you know, literally like five to seven days of planning and then like, you know, two to three days of, of editing and retouching and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, you just have to keep that in mind that like, anytime you decide you're going to, you know, stop doing something as a hobby and start making it a career, you have a lot more stuff to deal with. So I always tell people, um, totally just blank. So you're gonna have to cut this for real. Oh no, this is staying in. Go ahead though. Um, the vodka conversation we had I say something is gone, but this, was, this one's staying in. Yeah. What do I tell people? I don't There's know. literally something I tell people. Whatever. It's stupid. Okay. Obviously, <laughs> Jesus doesn't want me to share it with the world. Stop it. <sighs> no, I mean, I think another piece is, and you've kind of said this to me before, and you, you just switched your Instagram over to doing just this, is continue to shoot what you love. Like continue to shoot things that you love to do on the side because like you just said, picking up a camera is such a small part of the business side of doing this full time, but you also need to continue to fuel your creativity and your passion. Cause sometimes you can get lost in doing some of the mundane shots that you don't, that might not like get you up in the morning. It might, right. it still might, but you also should shoot things and then post those things that you love because right. if you loved it, someone else is going to love it. And it might even get you different clients that you didn't know were out there for you. Correct. You have to share them. You have to show it. You have to do something with it. And, and I remembered what I was going to say now. Okay, great. (laughs) Perfect. There is a much, uh, there is a vast difference when photography is how you put food on the table and how you pay your rent. Okay. Mm -hmm. It no longer means that you can say no. Sometimes it no longer means that you can pass up jobs. Sometimes you literally have to take the job because you have to pay your mortgage. You know what I mean? That's what, like, 
there's a bigger difference there. Like when someone's like, Hey, can you do the sh- shot for me? And you're like, nah, I don't really feel like that's not really my style. Yeah. No, you don't, you know, like anymore. when you do it as a living, your style sometimes takes a back seat and you have to be very comfortable with that and understand that, you know, until you get to a certain point. And maybe there is no point. Cause I still haven't found it yet after like 11 years of being able to say like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You know, like you, you, your job is to work with clients. Yeah. Not just create I, shit in your own head. So. Right. But it is, your job is also to create shit in your own head to then stay creative and just and to keep your passion going. So do, Absolutely. it's a balance of both. I mean, look at you for the last, what, two and a half weeks with that one project, maybe three weeks, you were straight out. I mean, yeah. you worked I haven't I done know, anything else. 90 plus hours a week, easily, right. easily, and didn't take a moment to breathe. And now yeah. you have that time to hopefully do something you want to do. Right. But I still picked up a camera in between. I, I, I you, you know, shot yeah, some stuff and didn't sleep. No, you know, whatever. Yeah. Threw your back out. But fun stuff. Yeah. Old man. <laughs> so we're going to switch gears a little bit <clears throat> okay. and we're not going to talk about photography. Good. Okay. So boring. I know. Right. Snooze. So um, people may or may not know this fun fact about our beloved David Patino. He's obsessed with smoking. And by smoking, I mean smoking meat. That's he true. he's he's also really savvy in the kitchen, but um, he's kind of. I mean, I wouldn't. Neither one of us can. We're from the Northeast, and I, I want to just state this right now: we're both in the Northeast, and neither one of us are pitmasters by any mm. stretch of the imagination. No way. <laughs> no. No. But I had a handful of barbecue questions. <laughs> Let's do it. Have, yeah. So we're going to try to answer them together. Okay, I love ready? it. Okay. Yeah, please. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Laura from Instagram says, my husband and I love going out for barbecue and we want to start making barbecue at home, but I don't know where to start with purchasing a smoker. Do you have any advice? Yeah. Go for it. So number one is you don't need a smoker. Mm-hmm. You can do this in your grill. Oh yeah. If you already point. own a grill. Yep. Um, if you have a propane grill, uh, you can actually do it very easily. You can just buy a little metal smoker box. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually made out of like cast iron or aluminum or whatever. And you literally buy little bags of chips, wood chips, mm-hmm. and you soak them in water and then you put them in there and that smokes. I mean, mm-hmm. it literally smokes. You're just going to turn your grill on like to you know make sure the temperature isn't above like 250 and mm-hmm put the chips in you might have to refill it depending on what you're cooking but like there's your smoker right there um if you're using a charcoal grill like a little weber or something like that you've already got a smoker you're Mm -hmm. already you're already there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just need to lower the temperature essentially you know and you can add wood and or you know i mean like you you can do it that way if you really want to go buy a smoker though Mm -hmm. um People can't see this, but I'm going to do it for anyway. Yeah, please. A real smoker. Yeah, I love the air quotes. Magic air quotes. Okay. Yep. A real smoker will cost you a shit ton of money. Okay. Like a proper smoker. You mean, oh, <laughs> well, because I, I was, I'm, I, the only reason I'm hesitating with that is because we have, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's a proper smoker, but we have a smoker and sure. I know it wasn't a shit ton of money. I think it was like a really? couple hundred. Okay, so yeah, that's that's my point. It's like you can get like a smoker for like. I mean, we just talked about thousand dollar camera lenses, and you're like, it's still well, yeah. Well, you know, like if you go, <laughs> I mean, if you go online and you type in like, you know, whatever, like 
purchased a smoker or something like yeah. that. Like, you'll see all these guys who like have trailers and like, oh, like yeah, no, you know, no, 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 or no. these big fire boxes or like, yeah. I mean, like, or the I think green I spent, egg or, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right. A green egg is like, fuck, man, they're like 1200 bucks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah the big yeah. ones are, yeah, the big ones. Um, you know, but yes, like, I honestly, I went to Lowe's and I bought my smoker. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we did too. Yeah. And it's, I maybe I spent like 400 bucks on it. I actually yeah. got it because somebody gave me a gift card and I was like, cool, I'm going to go blow this on, on, on a smoker. smoker. Yeah. And, you know, so, so I would say that like you can get away with one at like Lowe's or Home Depot. I think the big thing is like what you should know you're buying is going to last you years yes. and not a lifetime. Yes. Right. It's like buying a cheap grill. It's going to rust out eventually yeah. and you're going to have yeah. to replace it. Same thing with a smoker. Like the steel is pretty light gauge and it's probably going to get rusty. And I mean, I remember mm-hmm. like shit. First of all, the paint peels right off in the second you light them on fire. 100%. Yeah. And then wow. it just rusts. 100%. Right. So then that's you're like, the wait, what? It adds flavor. <laughs> I know. Right. So, you know, things like that. The, now, like a really cheap smoker will have really thin steel and will therefore rust quicker than it's a good point. something that, right? So yeah. that's why I said, like, you know, be careful about spending yeah. a little bit of money or a lot of bit of money. But yeah, I mean, like, shit, getting away with it on your, in your grill that you already mm-hmm. own is probably the best bet. Yeah, that's a great tip. I like that. So... Carol from Facebook asks, wood chips, there's a lot out there. What wood goes best with what meat? I'm so bad at this. Okay, I can play this game. So with wood, there's, I mean, there's there's a, there's a couple of big ones like apple, cherry, pecan, hickory. pecan. maple, hickory. Yeah, mesquite, obviously. Yeah, oh, mesquite. Else. Yeah, oh, that's another that's one. big one. So those are actually kind of even named them in lightest to heaviest like we did actually yeah How crazy is that <laughs> i know right so <laughs> starting with the lightest ones which would be like apple and cherry yeah okay veggies fish chicken i mean like you want to think about your protein so if the protein's a light protein to begin with then you want to use a lighter smoke with it like you wouldn't smoke i mean you can the world is your sure. oyster yep. but like the bigger, bolder smokes like hickory, mesquite, those are like, think beef, lamb, things that really can take that smoke, that intense smoke. Because if you were to use that on, say, like a piece of salmon, that's all you're going to taste is the smoke. Right. It's going right. to blow out your palate completely. So that would be my suggestion. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll put something in the show notes, but. Um, yeah, I use, I kind of religiously use um, apple. Mm-hmm pecan and hickory yeah i always have like those three here yeah it's your little in case trilogy. i want to like smoke on a whim you know yeah. um but like apple works great with um pork it works like great apple, with cherry. apple great, cherry yeah. everything yeah. yeah yeah but you're right you don't want to you don't want to i mean like you're going to taste the smoke obviously but like you don't want to you still want to taste the meat or the protein mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're using that's very important like you don't want to overpower everything. yeah absolutely and if you're even going to put a rubber or sauce on it too like you want to taste those things you don't want to just blow your palate out with straight totally. up smoke yep. um all right moving on oh this is a this is a this is a tough one this is a, this is a big one <laughs> johanna from instagram i hope i'm saying your name right says grass i want to try to make smoked salmon and need help What's the difference between cold smoked and hot smoked salmon? And how do I smoke salmon? I've never smoked fish in my entire life. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I actually hate smoked salmon. 
Okay. Well, then I think I'm it tastes disgusting. This. Okay. Well, Johanna, don't listen to him. I think it's delicious. I yeah. have done it and it's <laughs> a pain in the butt. So I would buy it if I were you. No, I mean, it's just, it's not something like, say you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I want to have locks with a bagel or whatever. That's not happening today. No, Johanna, right. you need days for this smoked salmon. Like you're going to take, and the other thing too, cold smoke versus hot smoke, either way, you want to use a thicker cut of salmon with a lot of fat in it. So king salmon, so it's expensive. So you're using an expensive cut of salmon. Right. It's cold smoked. I believe you put like a dry kind of brine on it where it's salt and herbs and sugar for 24 hours in the fridge. Yep. Wrap it up plastic and you're going to flip it halfway through. Then you're going to rinse all the salt off and then you're going to put it back in the fridge for like four hours until and you want it so it's elevated up you can't see what i'm doing but it's elevated and it's like a cookie sheet and then you put a cooling rack on top of the cookie sheet so airflow can get all around it because the point that you're trying to get the salmon to get this like tacky texture on it then you're going to put it in your smoker you want to use a light wood right so because sure. it's salmon okay and yeah. for cold smoke, it's probably going to take almost 24 hours in your smoker. So you don't want the smoke over, I'm guessing like 80, the temperature over 80. So this is something where when you buy a smoker, you can set digitally set the temperature on your smoker. So when you're getting technical like this, I probably wouldn't do this in a grill. I would no probably <laughs> do it in like an actual yeah. smoke box. Then, yeah. okay. So then like you pull it out, let it, put it back in the fridge and like you want it to have this like golden brown texture or color on it all over back in the fridge, 24 hours, maybe 12 hours, but you want it to still have like, I mean, not rare or raw, but like, if you've ever had locks, you know that they're, sure. they're not right. Okay. So then I think the important thing, to, the important thing to note is that cold smoking involves the process of curing yeah. as well. I know that much about it, which is why yeah. there's all the salt and that kind yeah, of stuff is exactly. that you, and you have to, and then that, that will last for months. Yeah, like, I mean, I probably would eat it within a couple of days, but yeah. Totally, but, but, I mean, if, but you if you're were curing biking, it, yeah. yeah, if you're curing it properly, it, it will now last a very yeah. long time. Yeah, I agree. You know? Um, and then with hot smoke, you're, you brine the salmon, so it's like doing the cold smoke, but it's going to be in a wet brine for 24 hours. Pull it out, rinse it, same tacky thing you want again, but with hot smoke, I think that's like maybe 150 ish in the smoker, but you're only doing it for like an hour. And then you want to crank the smoker to like 175 for the last hour. So two hours and then you're done. And like, it's a different texture. It's more flaky. Um, and it's, it's just a totally different texture than cold smoked salmon, but Dave doesn't so like much. either. I do. When it comes to food. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Very impressive. Thank you. I can keep going too. Um, <laughs> All right, last last food question. Okay. It's getting, uh, oh no, sorry. This is from Charlie in California. It's getting warmer where I live and we're still trying to do a lot of outdoor get togethers with friends because of COVID. What are your favorite things to bring to outdoor parties? I love to bring charcuterie. Look at you. Yeah. Okay. What's on it's your charcuterie board there, buddy? Um, so there's a couple of shops local here in New Jersey that I like to go to. And um, one in particular out here in Chester, New Jersey, where I can literally just walk in the door and be like, I'm going to a party. I this need is your buddies. Your buddies. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, yeah. one of my buddies now. Uh -huh. um, 
and uh, he knows more about salted cured meats than I ever will. So why not just go ask the person? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I could go to Whole Foods or Wegmans or whatever and like pick out, and it would probably be good. But like having someone you can go and talk to and be like, hey, oh yeah, what's going on here? You know, like, um, but I do love to like charcuterie is like my favorite, like meat, cheese, nuts, olive oils. Like I, that's my jam. Like. Yeah, when people are like, hey, like, can you bring something? Because here's the other thing, like, and don't get me wrong, like, cheese gets sweaty and weird after it's been left out a while. But, like, you can leave that shit out for a few hours. And, like, as long as it's not baking in the sun. You're supposed to. Like, cheese should be at room temperature if you're going to eat it and eat it right. Yeah, 100%. So it's totally acceptable to do. Um, For, like, outdoor summer type stuff, I love doing, um, and I don't even like tomatoes, but I like doing, like, you know, tomato, basil, mozzarella. Like a little that's always action. cool mm-hmm. yep i always dig that actually i just told you the other day i had this caprese where they like yeah they fried, the, fried basil. the basil so it was mm-hmm. crispy what? what mind blown that was insane mm-hmm. um yeah those are those are good little things i love i love food at parties where you don't need a plate i think uh, having a plate sucks because yeah. now i gotta put my drink down and i'm no fun without a drink in my no hand. it's so, true i know i've seen them without one it's not very fun yeah like i don't even mean fun in the sense that like I need to be drunk. <laughs> that came out totally wrong. Yeah, I, I know. I was just running it. with it. I just meant like, I, you know, like I, I'm better with like something in my hand and I feel more comfortable, like, but yeah. I don't want to hold a plate and a fork and a thing. And so I'd rather just like have a drink in my hand and then be able to just like scoop up a cracker and eat it or whatever, or like right. a piece of meat or something. So I like, you want, like a low commitment food choice while socializing. Totally. Yeah, totally. I get that. If it's on a stick, even better. Cause then you can yeah. just do the stick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But no, those I'm things also you. take forever to prep. Oh, they're brutal. I would never. Yeah, sticks, yeah. spoons. No, uh-uh. Yeah. I'm more of the salad person when I bring stuff because I feel like there's always heavy options when you go to outdoor fun things. So like I like, um, there's this thing and right now I'm doing all behind the scenes, all this Lebanese cooking for an upcoming episode. And so I like a fatouche salad. <laughs> Do you know? Wow. What I, no, okay. So no. This one, okay, so this one, and it's kind of like, you know what a panzanella salad is? No, I know nothing about that. Okay, so a panzanella (laughs) salad is um, old, day old, like Tuscan bread, like, you know, crunchy bread, and you get some really juicy tomatoes and some other stuff, and you mix it all together with the bread. So like big, thick croutons, but the the juice of the tomato uh, and the olive oil and the salt and everything breaks down and that kind of makes the dressing and emulsifies together. And then the bread soaks it all up and gets less crunchy, but it's not okay. soggy. It's just really good and filling and like okay. whatever. So if a touche salad, this one in particular, it's from Love and Lemons, um, a cooking blog. And the bottom of the dish is kind of the dressing. So it's like this yogurty, creamy dressing on the bottom, lemony, garlicky, roasted chickpeas, um, toasted pita, or you can use pita chips. Yeah. heirloom tomatoes cucumbers um some herbs toss it all together plop it on top of the dressing and then when you scoop it out and put it in your plate the dressing's at the bottom so it's really what? good yeah so wait hold on real back up real quick yeah. do you chop up the bread and put it in the salad yeah in a panzanella yeah God. or this like the pita chips crunchy crunch put it in I want that. um the other one i like a lot and this is more of like an asian twist is you take those little persian cucumbers the little guys yeah yeah, love them. And you cut them into bigger chunks and then you kind of smush them a little bit so they get smashed. Okay. And then it's like soy, um, garlic, ginger, uh, maybe a little sesame oil, tossy, 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 done. Sesame seed. Wow. Yeah, light, fresh, easy. 
that kind of stuff. You need to come to a party. I'm coming. Well, I'm, I'm going to come this summer because you've got to teach me many things oh in God. the studio. But yeah, I'll cook the whole time. I already said I would. Sounds All good. right, my friend. What are you making right now in your home kitchen that you're very excited about? What food adventures are you currently going on at home? Well, yeah. Um, I did some smoking last week. Mm-hmm. And I have been experimenting with the leftovers. Oh, tell me. Yeah, because, so I love cooking. Like I love making stuff, but I love the next day or the day after when I'm like, how do I make this different so I don't yeah. eat the same thing again, right? And I always overcook every time I cook. Like I love having more food than not because I love eating it again. Like we're snacking on it later on. Like, yeah. Um, so I smoked a brisket last week and I have been putting it on the meat slicer and like shaving off like quarter inch pieces. Hold on, the fact that you own a meat slicer. Can we just pause on that for a second? Like that's awesome. Doesn't everybody have one? That's like- Right? That's- right? By the way, also purchased at Lowe's Obviously. with a gift card. Obviously. I was going to buy, buy? Yeah. buy something like for the house, which is completely in, you know, disheveled. And we logged into Lowe's.com and I was like, they sell meat slicers. <laughs> and that was it. It was done. I love it. I love it. And again, my wife was like, yeah, we should totally get one. Right. Like, yeah, we totally should get one. And we're getting one. It's going to sit on the countertop now. And I'm just going to yeah, slice but- meat. So cold brisket, yep. like quarter inch slice. And then mm-hmm. I put it in um, a pan with some water, just a little bit of water so it doesn't go dry. Mm-hmm. Heat that up. And then I've been doing uh, like a fresh baguette. Like I've been doing, I did this twice in the last week. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with so you. So fresh baguette, uh, the brisket. Yeah. And then pickled red onions. Oh, I love a pickled red onion. And then some barbecue sauce. And that's <gasps> perfect Tangy, yeah it's kind of amazing sweet, exactly crunchy. yeah i'm with you i'm following the pickled red onion was like an eye opener yeah game changer totally yeah so i've been doing that a lot i've been trying my hand at pasta for the last two years making it yep. from scratch mm-hmm. and it's like like everything else i do in my life i kind of read like a quick article and i was like yeah, yeah i got this and so 50 <laughs> percent of the time it works out really well and yeah. the other half of the time i curse a lot and then like and then we just eat like weird looking pasta, but it's still, it's still good. I think anything homemade is so much better than like, yeah, you know, so like yeah, even I if agree. I totally fuck up the pasta, it's still like, wow, this tastes delicious though. Like it, it doesn't does. look like, you know. Like no, she might not be the prettiest girl at the party, but man, oh man, she's does a lot she of fun. Tastes good. She tastes good. Oh, right. No, what? <laughs> right? Is that how it goes? Yeah, right now. Uh, <laughs> All right. So how do people get a hold of you? How can, how can people work with you? Um, you can find me online usually pretty easily. Um, I, uh, I have a website. It's davidpatino.com. And I have an email address. It's dp at davidpatino.com. Mm-hmm. I have a phone number, which I won't give out right now. No, not now. And although if you search me, you can find it. And um, what else? Um, I have an Instagram account, which is. You don't post any more on it. Occasionally, well, there's a story. When is this, when is this episode coming out? <laughs> right. Um, I, yeah, I erased my Instagram uh, over a month ago, about a month and a half ago. I kind of deleted everything because I was tired, tired of my, tired of my bullshit photos. Just, right. like put it. just over it. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I've been trying to figure out what I was going to do with it. And I'm going to start posting again this week. 
So <gasps> by the time this comes out, oh yeah, it'll be, it'll be something online. <laughs> yeah. So check out in what's your Instagram. Yeah. Tell people what your Instagram is. It is David A. Patino. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right, my friend. One last question before we go. Do if it. COVID wasn't a thing and Ugh. you had oodles and oodles and oodles of noodles of money, where yeah. would you go and what would you eat? That's I love this question. Um, oh man. <laughs> I know. I literally sitting here thinking about all the great meals that I've ever had. And it had nothing to do with the location or the food. No, it's the people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always like the people I'm with. And I, it was funny. I just, I, I will answer the question, but I just had a conversation with four other guys um, who I was a, a band that I was on tour with last year. And we drove up the California coast into San Francisco. And it was a very long and arduous drive. And we were all kind of cranky. And we rolled into San Francisco and we kind of were like, let's go across the bridge. We got time to kill. And we ended up down in Sausalito, mm -hmm. which I'd been to probably 20 years ago. And I was just like, yeah, it's a cool little town. There's restaurants and stuff. We'll grab mm -hmm. something to eat. And we ended up walking into this restaurant on the water. And we were like, yeah, this will do. And we ordered some beers. Or like the first guy got up and was like, I'll take the chicken sandwich and the Stella, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then the four rest of us proceeded to be like, yeah, I'll do that too. And it ended up being the most delicious fried chicken sandwich I've ever had. And it, and it wasn't about the, I mean, it was about the chicken sandwich. It was fucking amazing, but, <laughs> but it's, it is, it's always about like who you're with and what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I've been to some insane, you know, like whatever, very like restaurants that have received accolades. Yeah. Yeah. Bougie and, Michelin star. Yeah. 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 Shit. Pure shit. Had the worst time ever because I was yeah. so worried about like, fuck, can I really afford this? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. or whatever. Like sometimes I think the best meals for me are the ones where you just end up there and it mm -hmm. works out. That being said, I would well, I'd definitely go back to Sausalito for that chicken sandwich. Um, but the boys would have to be there. Yeah. Uh, I would also, I would go back to Rome in a heartbeat. I think Rome really opened my eyes up um to what food should taste like yeah you know yeah. uh like i was always like i grew up in jersey we got more fucking italians here oh my god don't right like oh i get god. italian food all the time and then and then you realize just how full of shit your life is because you go to yeah. rome and you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah it's nothing this like is incredible yeah. yeah 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 and yeah. again yeah and then that's the other thing with rome is like you know you sit down to eat like they expect you to take like two to three hours Easily, if not longer. Least, no one's you know? coming with the bill. No. no, people were like freaked out. Like my wife and I would like go out and like eat, and then we'd be like, "Check place, we're ready to go," and they'd be like, what the fuck "What's wrong? Why lunch? are you leaving? Yeah. Is everything oh, okay?" Yeah. Is, you know? yeah, no, no, no. You, it's a marathon, not a sprint, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But well, um, my friend. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's it. That's all she wrote. Well, I love you yeah. so much. I can't thank you enough for doing this. You. Thanks for having me. Your friendship means the world to me, man. I love you so much. Ditto. All right. Well, I will catch you later. Skater. Later. Gator. Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode in the books. David, thank you so, 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 so much for being on. Like I said a million times, I love you with all my heart, man. I can't even put into words how much you mean to me and uh, everything you do. So please go to his website. YouTube channel, Instagram. I'll put all of his information in the show notes. Go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. Do you have questions? Do you want to be on the podcast? 
email me, let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. If you want to work together, hit me up on my website and always tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. You guys love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Lead with kindness, make and eat some yummy food this weekend, and I'll see you next week. Bye.